Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group, three-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. The Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sun Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. We're located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive in that great big beautiful town bank building and also in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank building directly across from Winkies. We also can service clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. And if you would like more details, you can go to the Ellenbecker Investment Group and you can take a look at our website and put a name and a face together and a voice. One of the things that I have loved about doing this radio show is that I have opportunities to meet people that under any, under any normal circumstance, I would never have that opportunity. And so today is one of those days and I've been so excited to do this interview. I came across this book and it's called Lessons in Life, Leadership and Empathy from an Unconventional Cowboy. Think like a horse. Now, I got to tell you, that really got my attention. First of all, I love horses. And I started to look at it. And it turns out that my guest today is author Grant Collier. And he is the owner of the historic Diamond Cross Ranch. He is a horse whisperer. And of course, I, I see it on TV. And I'm fascinated with horses. And I have to say, often a little bit overwhelmed and not exactly sure how to approach and how to deal with a horse. And when I started looking at this book and saw how the lessons in life and how you can really look at something such as someone who is a horse whisperer and deals on a day-to-day basis and then is able to unconventionally turn it around and deal with people. And so, Grant, I want to welcome you to the show. Oh, thank you for having me, Karen. It's great to be here. I have just been waiting to do this interview, and I have to say one of uh, Kathy Lee Gifford wrote, watching Grant at his horse whispering demonstration for nearly an hour was an extraordinary and mesmerizing experience. I was deeply touched spiritually and it moved me for days afterwards. There is something very spiritual about connecting with horses. And I don't know that I've ever really thought it about being spiritual and connecting with people but you have really made me to think differently. Well, thank you for that, because uh, it's really why I got started with all this. To be honest with you, I felt like uh, it was my calling, uh, and, and I have become more confirmed in that over the years. But I, uh, it was really early on when I became, uh, you know, I, I grew up wanting to be on a horse trainer. I all I wanted to do was be a cowboy and a horse trainer. And I was trying to be the best I could be. And I attained a pretty good level and, and it was actually respected and having success until I ran in to a man uh, that was so much better than me at this. I was just uh, humbled by it. And so that was the beginning. But later on, I got very frustrated even then because I wasn't learning it like I'd hoped. And I started to ask God for 
wisdom because I read someplace where it said, if a man asks for wisdom, <laughs> he can have that and God will give it to him without finding fault. And he said he'd even give it generously. So I began to ask for it because I realized I just needed a lot, even though I was considered pretty good. Something down inside of me said that I really wasn't doing it that well. I was not on the track. And so because of that frustration, uh, I, I began to get frustrated. And with frustration comes anger. And when you get angry, you do things you shouldn't do. You know, um, Grant, when I started to read your book, it took me back in my life. I started in the financial industry and I was a woman in a man's world and it was really tough. And I can't say that there were a lot of people that were um, greasing the skids for me to do better. And when you started talking about growing up as a young man with your dad and that the way that people trained horses at that time was more power driven and taking over. And I felt that that was a little bit how my life was and I had to fight for it and everybody wanted to kind of, there wasn't any trust in, in the industry at all. And when you said that, how important it was when you sort of converted over and started to convert over from trying to, um, um, what would it be with the horse, trying to take it, take that horse and make it do what you wanted it to do, rather than come into communion with the horse. I just felt like, wow, that is such a good example for business and how people can relate differently. And it isn't all about power plays. And it's really about relationship and connection. And you use the word trust all the time. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, the old way that we grew up with was all about force, fear, intimidation, repetition, make them do it. They hated it. And so, uh, you know, instead of a, a working partner, the horse was more of a slave. And uh, it, it wasn't right. It didn't feel right. Uh, but that's all we knew. So we grew up with that. And, and, you know, horses are a free spirit. Like I really think people are. They don't want to be forced. They want to be asked. And uh, so everything we do with a horse instead of the old way is more of a negotiation rather than just telling them what to do. Uh, in, in a way that's uh, controlling and forceful, like you said. And it's just more honoring to the horse. He, he appreciates it as we do. When you described um, being in a corral with um, a horse, and it was a wild horse, and I remember your description of letting that horse just run because that's what his natural habitat was and that's all he knew and to be able to let him run and run and run and then I remember you said that he was respecting you and doing what you were letting him doing and giving him that opportunity but then you knelt down and got as low as you possibly could to let him come towards you and to kind of give a mutual respect to each other so that he could begin, uh, that you were giving him the opportunity to take the choice to come towards you rather than you going towards him. That's right. It's really about giving him the freedom to choose rather than the old way that we didn't, we did 
didn't give them any freedom. We would either corner them, trap them, or, or rope them and you know choke them down, uh, rope their front feet, bust them to the ground with some <laughs> of the old cowboy way. You know, literally you'd rope the front feet and they would just flop on the ground. And then you wrap it around a, a post and then you jump on their head and got a, you know, a halter on them and blindfold <laughs> them and bite their ear or anything to hold them down. And it was really rough. And, it, you know, it was kind of the old cowboy way, but, uh, you know, it got things done to a point. But the problem is it didn't make a loyal, trustworthy partner. And when those horses had the opportunity, they would either, you know, kick you, buck you off, run off without you, run, if you fell off or dropped the reins, they'd run back to the barn. So there was no loyalty because you weren't a, you weren't a friend leader. You were a forceful, uh, just uh, controlling dominant being really, because they didn't even relate to other horses that way. So again, you're putting yourself into what we say a horse sees us as is a predator. We're a predator to a horse. They're a prey animal. So they think we're a predator because we walk on two legs like a bear. We have claws. So we don't have to tell a horse to be afraid of us by nature. A wild horse is naturally afraid of us. We have to convince them that we're not a predator. Well, by doing things the old way, that's exactly what we did. We just confirmed to them that we were going to hurt them. We were going to uh, you know, abuse them. Control and so them. And I, in your book, you mentioned that you were, it, you sort of fell into this accidentally working with people and horses. I mean, you were focusing on horses for a, a, very, a variety of reasons of creating good horses that could be in shows and, and could do other things. And then you were asked, I believe it was by Microsoft or another large company to um, have them out at your ranch just for the fun of it. And you created this in, party around it. And one of the things that you decided to do to entertain the guests, besides having a lot of rodeos and things, was to maybe show them how you do horse whispering. And as you looked around the group of people that were there, um, some people had tears in their eyes and other people walked up to you and were so amazed and they saw themselves within the horse and they saw some of the things that they could do differently as business leaders, as parents, as spouses. And then all of a sudden you realize that what you were doing had a much larger impact than just working with horses. Exactly. That was very exciting to us. What started out as entertainment, really, because, you know, normally I had been working with horse people, people that know horses, have horses. I did clinics and things like that for them, taught them but this was more entertainment for non-horse people, in particular business people that we had at the ranch. And uh, the feedback I got was uh, just amazing because they really told me what they saw. Oh, I see myself, I'm too soft, or I, I don't hold clear boundaries, or I'm too quick to you know jump on them, or I don't have any release. So my feel is terrible. These are things in the book I talk about. And one, one thing I've learned over the years that every leader over 25 years here now of having corporate leaders 
coming to the ranch is every leader that's a good leader is worth his salt is always wanting to get better. I've never met one that didn't say, I'd like to be better. And I think the higher the responsibility, the higher the leader you are, the more you feel that pressure and responsibility of being a good leader. And we all know that we have uh, weaknesses. So what the horse and, and trainer demonstration really does was is just, it's a word picture or parable that people can see themselves in. Sometimes they see themselves in the horse. Sometimes they see themselves in, in me. Uh, working with a horse that's afraid or, uh, you know, and even might even be a child that they have, or a, uh, it could be any aspect of leadership, which really goes from, you know, the top clear down to just parenting. Grant, why don't we take a quick break? And when we come back, you have got some really great ideas in your book that I'd like to um, share with my audience. And one of them is feel can't be taught, but it can be learned. Clear boundaries make happy horses and I think happy people. And so let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's really dig into some of the um, things that you've learned over time and that you would like to share. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. My guest today is Grant Collier, and he is the owner of the historic Diamond Cross Ranch. He has written a great book. It's Think Like a Horse, and um, it's lessons in life, leadership, and empathy from an unconventional cowboy. And Grant, you know, we talked a little bit in the beginning about how you got started and some of the things that you've learned, but all the way during your book, you've got really great tidbits. And I know one of the things that you talk about is that feel can't be taught, but it can be learned. How does that, how do you um, relate that to the business and corporate world, or I guess even a family? Well, it's really about relationship. Uh, and this, this thing that we call feel, I'm not sure it's used other than in the horse industry, but it, I think we can all relate to it. Uh, when we're around people, we might say that person has good feel. Uh, in the horses, it's how you handle a horse, how you work around him, uh, and the horse reads you. And if you have good feel, he becomes very responsive and soft to you, soft in your hands, pliable, listening to you, attentive, uh, and that's what we call good feel. Someone that wouldn't have good feel would somebody that grabs a horse by the, the, the rope right under its chin and wants to control it, okay, and doesn't give it any release. So we teach people to give more rope and have some room in there so the horse can learn to follow a feel. But if you don't give release when you put pressure, then you take the feel away from the horse because he... He learns, well, if I follow you, there's no release, there's no reward. And often, you know, we see this over and over, but I think we see it in people too. You know, it's, it's like that hard-fisted, maybe boss, it's just always at you, but doesn't ever like release pressure and let you feel like you have some freedom on the end of that rope. 
you wrote in your book, it takes discipline and care to tune into other people and give them enough of our attention that we can sense what's going on beneath the surface. And I always say it's never about the grapes. <laughs> There's always <laughs> something else. That's right. And so much of it is just reading body language. It's emotional intelligence. I wasn't aware that I did it as much as I did, but although I realized doing it with horses, I am more in tuned to body language. You just become naturally that way. You look at the eyes, you look at the mouth, uh, the, the posture, everything. Uh, you're more observant. And so I think that's part of having good feel. You observe the other person, you feel what they feel, that's empathy. And then you give them a chance to respond. That makes them feel honored and they want to follow you. I think I love the word pause, pause long enough to do that. We have such a busy world that we don't often take the time to pause. So, so much as this is just, it really comes down to honor. And we say this, honor the slightest try and the smallest change. When the horse takes a look at you, you release pressure. You honor the little things and the, and the bigger things take care of themselves. Well, and you talk about be soft as you can, but firm as necessary. When people run right through our boundaries, we get angry and frustrated. But if we haven't been clear about them in the first place, what can we expect? That's, that's <laughs> actually the, right. We've, we're really training those around us. Unfortunately, some of us aren't good. And I had terrible boundaries. I grew up without, without good boundaries. <laughs> and I think a lot of kids do these days. And and really, you know, it's why they end up in the military someplace and that's their security because they finally ran into somebody that will give them some clear boundaries. And I think this is what I say to Karen that, you know, as a society, we've improved in ways like we hate abuse. OK, but we're so f afraid of abuse and now we won't discipline anymore. It used to be that we over disciplined and we didn't, you know, give the other side. But this is really about bringing things back to balance, I believe, between love and, well, love is discipline, but I would say being kind, but being firm, or being uh, rewarding, but also being willing to discipline. So there's two lines that I like to show that a horse lives between, and that's the line of, of respect, and, and uh, well, it's really a fear, and then uh, disrespect. So you want to keep him between those two lines. And when, when a horse learns not to be afraid of you, and pretty soon he says, oh, there's nothing afraid of you, he, then pretty soon he's walking on top of you. <laughs> and this is very common because the person usually wants the horse to like them. So they're just, you know, real nice and kind. But pretty soon the horse is pushing them around, knocking them around, kicking them. And then they are, they're afraid to discipline because they went to all this work to gain this trust. So there's the balance, see, you have to be willing as a leader to be firm as you have to be, as soft as you can be. And it's like a ping pong ball bouncing between two walls. That's what a horse does. He bounces between fear and disrespect until he learns to center up under you. And the two of you become one and it's a wonderful relationship. I love what you say, used well. Boundaries are not really about dividing, but about uniting. They're about getting on the same page about what's expected, establishing trust by being clear and consistent. And I love that. I mean, boundaries sometimes sounds really um, 
like it's very hard. But what you're saying is that in the business world, in your own world with your children, just like with a horse, that it's going to unite you. And the boundaries are going to keep you both safe, keep you both happy and going in the same direction. I believe which is what that. companies need, which companies need people to be on their bus. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you're not going to sit on that bus and be with a leader if you don't know where you're going. And if you don't have boundaries and clarity, you're never going to get where you want to go. Well, you're going to get off track. Yes. You know, and, and, and so you have to have something to channel, uh, you know, where you're going, channel those people along, even though there's all this, I believe, freedom within the boundaries. So the people, you know, they, they don't feel like uh, they have no uh, input, that they don't have freedom to, to tell, you know, whoever is leading them, you know, uh, a safe place for them to, within those boundaries to talk about, uh, you know, what could better the company or what could better the business. So we do this thing at the ranch called, you know, when we work with a team, uh, we, after we've they've had them work with horses, watch me work, talked about it, then we have, uh, we get out around the campfire and have a circle and, and, and people are free and have a safe place to really talk about it. And the best leaders that we've seen come forth, in our opinion anyway, that have the loyalty and the success are the ones that give all of their people you know, the freedom to speak on a, uh, on a uh, equal level, safe and not going to be criticized for it. My guest today is author Grant Collier. He has written a fabulous book, Think Like a Horse. It's lessons in life, leadership and empathy. And you could get it on all of the major places you get books. And Grant, can you give us your um, website where they can go to? Should they like to go to your ranch, which is in uh, the historic diamond cross ranch and um, that's in wyoming i believe and i know you've got great fly fishing there that's what i like to do oh you do good for yes you. i yeah, do <laughs> we, we have that many of the groups that come to go on a fly fishing tour uh, but yeah it's diamondcrossranch.com is our website and that's in jackson hole wyoming thank that's you very right much at the foot of the tetons we are going to take a break and when we come back we're going to talk about Make the right things easy and the wrong things difficult, slow to take and quick to give. And if you deal with attitude, you won't have to deal with action. And when we come back, we'll start in again. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. My guest today is Grant Gallier, and he has written a great book, Think Like a Horse. And we've been talking about how just almost through happens, he was able to really relate very closely with what he does to gain the trust within being a horse whisperer and how it relates to business. And I just wanted to read something that's in the book. It says, um, someone had said to him, I understand you help people who've got horse problems. No, ma'am, I don't. It's the kind of the other way around. I help horses who got people problems. And that was Nicholas Evans, another horse whisperer. And isn't that the truth? <laughs> it is. Yes, it is. Uh, the horse is, uh, you know, really a mirror. Uh, it, it's a tool. He is a tool. She is a tool uh, for us to see ourselves in. 
and they're they're a beautiful animal but they are so sensitive they have a sensitivity far beyond us as humans and they really read us like a book so you can't lie to a horse uh, they're going to figure you out so you better be honest with them and uh or or you might be sorry with them because they're they're a, a big strong animal but uh yeah it's uh it's it's just been an amazing road for us down this uh, 50 years of training horses and 25 years of working with uh, corporate America and and not just that we've worked with uh, I've worked with vets with PTSD I've worked with uh, troubled kids and uh, you know people have had real problems so it's just uh, it really brings the whole thing together in a way that I think is uh, so helpful to the human race, I just hope the world, and that's why I wrote this book, I just want to make a difference. And I feel like we have a philosophy here that the whole world needs. You know, Grant, you say in your book, honor the freedom to choose um, and make things right and easy and the wrong things difficult. And you talk about beyond the battle of wills and I'm not looking for a servant, I'm looking for a willing partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's really, it's about developing relationship that's healthy. And I think we all know if we've lived very long, uh, what a healthy relationship is. And we've also experienced probably something that isn't. So we all would like to have the healthy relationship, but just some of these uh, bullet points, uh, principles of this philosophy, and I do call it a philosophy, Karen, because it really is it's not a method that i came up with it's not um, a particular formula it's more of a philosophy to live by and that's about uh what really works we believe it works in nature and because we all you know can love nature i think most people do and so we're willing to take a look at nature and say hmm maybe there is something to learn here because we tend to get out of whack a little bit as a society we all seen that and so what's healthy what can we see what can we learn from nature so it's not just about horses it's about you know really all kinds of animals dogs uh we have cattle we have buffalo here we have grizzly bears on the ranch we have wolves so we have we have a real <laughs> variety here and we try to learn from them but my wife and i live with horses every day we we we, we literally see them out of our window about you know year round so we observe them and how they they live but we we often have just had long long conversations as how this applies to life and that's how i got started i just said you know, just think about maybe how this might apply to your life and see what you might get from it. Well, you've got some of the little things you've got in your book. Good leaders know that they can't control everything from the top. People need the freedom to make decisions on the ground and take more initiatives. A good leader wants to encourage freedom, not constrain it. And then you also go into honor the slightest try and the smallest change. And, you know, again, Take, I say, take time and pause to see who's helping you 
around you to make things happen. Because as leaders at the top, we can have all the greatest ideas in the world, but really understanding what it takes for the people behind you to really move those ideas forward and to help you to become successful. That's right. Uh, you know, the honoring the slightest try is, is become such a huge thing uh, here in our, in our trainings, in our work, because it's so clear with the horse. But I think we all know what it feels like when somebody tells us what to do and we were about to do it anyway. <laughs> and we already knew that was our responsibility they're telling us or, or the boss that really tends to micromanage you know, he tells you to do something and then jumps, you start to do it and maybe do it a little bit wrong and they jump in and just take over. And that's so tempting. I mean, as a boss on a ranch with a crew, I've had this happen so many times and I'm like, oh, just let me do it, you know, but that's, that's wrong because it doesn't give them the chance to learn and you have to allow, you have to trust them enough even if they're going to fail, but try to set them up in an environment. Well, if they fail a little bit, they're not going to fail the company. You know, they're not going to sink the ship, but it gives them the freedom to make some mistakes and then feel what that's wrong, how that was wrong. And I, I just tell you what happened today. I have a young man that's working for me and he I told him to go out and catch a certain horse and, and ride it, saddle it. And he went out and while he was catching the horse, he left, left the gate open or he left it ajar. And I hear this gate slide and I look out and I hear him yell and he let the, uh, another horse slip through the gate. Now he's, now he's chasing that horse and he left the gate <laughs> open again. And I'm like, I, I just like had, I went in the tack room and like I didn't even want him to see that I was watching. And, and I came back out and there he was bringing the other horse out of a krill and he didn't say anything and I didn't say anything, but he knew, <laughs> but that's how they learn. And if you don't allow that uh, and you jump on them and you take all the, you know, you, you take that self-esteem away from them. And uh, I really feel, you know, I could done that. I could have jumped all over and yelled at him. You should know better than that, you know, but it's better for him to learn himself. So the environment was not a big deal. He didn't hurt anything. So that was just an example that happened today. Yes. I know you had said um, in, your, in your book, um, CEOs and managers and team leaders often tell me that as they are watching me with a horse, they see flashes of their own leadership style, such as I think I can emphasize, I think I emphasize the negative too much. I'm too quick to criticize and I don't reward positive change fast enough. I don't honor the slightest try. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a good thing about what they see as they see themselves. And, and, you know, we're all better off if, if we see something that we need to change rather than somebody telling us what's wrong with us. And so uh, that's what we really try to be, you know, is a picture of um, for people to see what they can to work on rather yeah. than telling them. Like how, how would, you know, uh, you feel if I told you, you know, you're too confrontive or you're too soft, you spoil, you're spoiling your kid. Well, that's, those are harsh words, but you know, it might be very well true, but isn't it better if they could see it and say, Ooh, I, that's me. I do that. 
And so they don't take it as criticism. It's just an example. And they go, oh, yeah, that's me. An that's opportunity me. to learn. And honestly, the spiritual part of this, that has been like God talking to me. Like, yeah, that's you. You know, <laughs> my horse is, he's, if he's getting stiff and hard on this side and, and, uh, and, you know, I'm riding along and I'm going, what's wrong with, you know, what am I missing here? And, and you know, and I would hear that little voice say, that's you. <laughs> yes isn't that yeah. true yeah but it's a real gift to be able to look at yourself and be able to um understand and know that you're human and learn and be that example that people need well it is and that's one thing that the the corral the round corral in front of everybody really teaches is transparency in fact we do an acronym on trust and the first t is transparency and we, we all appreciate, you know, a leader uh, or boss who is uh, somewhat transparent and it's really honest. And um, I think we're drawn to that transparency. So that's what we show, you know, it's what we do is not a show. It's out in front of every, everybody. Things can go wrong, but uh, we're not hit hiding anything. So it's out in the open. And one of the things I talk about in the book is, is showing the other side, because we all show, you know, our best side, but most of us have another side that we yes. don't want people to see. And, and that's out of balance. And the horse really clears that, uh, shows that clearly, if you work with him on one side, and don't work on the other side, then he just will give you only one side. <laughs> he won't give you his other side. So he'll just spin in circles. And so if you want to go in circles, you know, you just have your own one side. <laughs> My guest today is Grant Gallagher, and he is the author of Think Like a Horse. It's a great book, and you can get it at your local bookstores and on Amazon. And when we come back, we're going to talk about if you deal with attitude, you won't have to deal with action. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. My guest today is Grant Collier, and he wrote the book, Think Like a Horse. And I have just been waiting so long to um, actually do this interview because so much of what is in this book are the values that I and my daughter Julie use to um, run our company. And when you it, it's such a reinforcement to know there's been a book written about the things that we believe in and mm. the things that we do. And prior to our break, we talked about um, how to deal with an attitude. And you say, if you deal with an attitude, you won't have to deal with an action. And can you talk a little bit about that? I can. And I always go back to the horse before I talk about the, the people relationship, but with a horse, a horse will always tell you uh, what he's going to do before he does it. Before he kicks you, he's going to tell you with some body language that he's going to kick you. So if you deal with the attitude, you don't have to get kicked by the horse, but you have to be observant to that. And if you've ever been kicked by a horse, you, you probably remembered what happened just before you got kicked by that horse. And next time you're not going to get kicked. That's called experience. <laughs> Well, it's kind of nice to know what the signs are uh, of a horse that's about to kick you so you don't have to get kicked by a horse. 
And so this is what I talk about dealing with an attitude. And you, you learn to recognize little signs in their eye, their ear, uh, in their muscles, their hindquarters, the swishing of the tail, that what they're, what they're thinking, what they're doing. Uh, you also recognize when the horse is, is being compliant and soft. So you're ready to reward him. Uh, rather than, than have to deal with that attitude, you're ready to reward him for a good attitude. So you just become more sensitive and aware. And I think that so much of with people, you know, I've talked about this with leaders and uh, we all know if there's something going wrong in the groups, dissension in the ranks, somebody's copying an attitude. If you can get that person aside, have a visit with them, talk, ask them what's going on, maybe in their personal life, because it always reflects in the job or in the, in the business. And if you can nip some of that in the bud, boy, it can really save a lot of problems down the road. And so that's that's what we have found also with our kids, you know, raising them. We we really believe this. Uh, it helped us when they started to get an attitude. We disciplined the attitude. We didn't wait for them to have an, the action. And and, uh, you know, we all know when the kids are getting an attitude and sometimes we tend to ignore that. But what we need to do by making the wrong thing difficult is begin to bristle up a little bit. I call that, you know, get a little bristly <laughs> and say, uh, um, what's going on here? And uh, do we need to deal with that now? So it's, you know, it's, these aren't big things that are going to change your life drastically, but they are the little things that add up to make a big difference in our lives. You talk about every horse needs a purpose. Yes, that's that's true. Uh, no different than we are. You know, we need a, a reason to get out of bed in the morning and get up and get going. So I think uh, purpose is very important. I think I have a quote in there uh, about the, the book Purpose Driven Life. But uh, every horse has a gift and a talent. And and so often as trainers, you know, we specify or, or, or we're uh, specific in our our uh, discipline so we make want every horse to fit into a box that we want him to be in but the horse will tell us if he should be something different and if you just keep trying to make him be something that you know he wasn't designed to be you're just you're trying to fit a, a square peg in a round hole so what we try to do is, is see every horse individually and try to help them find their purpose, what they enjoy doing and where they fit in. A, a cutting horse might not be, uh, you know, do the things that a, a rainer ho reining horse or a roping horse or just a good trail horse or some horses just to be maybe need to be a companion. <laughs> that's about it but there's you try to find what they're good at and place them so that that's how I feel about that but I also think that that really with people uh, how important it is to, to help them discover their purpose and what they're really working for what they're living for you also say your title makes you a manager your people will decide if you're a leader yeah, yeah. Well, you're a leader if people will follow you. <laughs> but I often, this is what I've learned with horses. Respect always comes before friendship. 
that's in the horse world. And I think it really fits us as well. Uh, you, you just don't, you know, hire somebody and take them out and have three or four beers in that day, you know, and that, that would be an extreme, but uh, with horses, they live, how they live is they always uh, manage to get respect before they make friends. So if you think about it, uh, you turn up, when you turn a young horse out with another herd, uh, they will all kind of drive that horse around and direct him and even out of the herd until he drops his head in submission. He'll drop his head and lick his lips. And so then they'll let him into the herd. So all they're asking that is that he's respectful and then he can come in and be a part of the herd. Well, I think that's, you know, we're really just herd animals too in many ways. You have a beautiful poem in your book. Would you like to share that with my listeners? I would, I would, because this is this whole thing is such a word picture for us. And uh, I love this uh, poem by Edgar Guest. It's uh, called See a Sermon. And much of what we do is really the visual, because most of us are visual learners. I certainly was. Uh, I had trouble just learning from teachers that just uh, lectured. But when they cr even create a word picture, a picture, which is what we try to do with our book through stories uh, of horses and people. And, and we see the visual and then we learn better because it sticks in our mind. So I love this and often conclude my demonstration with this poem called See a Sermon. It goes like this. And it's uh, I love cowboy poetry. I do some other ones, but this is one of my favorites. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely tell the way. For the eye is a better pupil, more willing than the ear. Fine counsels, confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds. For to see words put into action, that's what everybody needs. I soon can learn to do it if you'd let me see it done. Can watch your hands in action but your tongue too fast may run. And the lecture you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lessons by observing what you do, or I might misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. That is beautiful. So you talk about that's what you end often with if somebody is interested for their company or they want to do it as a family retreat um, for their children, um, what does that look like and how do they do it? Well, they just have to get with my daughter-in-law, Lauren. She manages all that and uh, go to our website. You can email us, right, Lauren, at uh, diamondcross at wyoming.com. And uh, talk to Lauren and book us, uh, book a group with us. We do like very small uh, groups. We had uh, a CEO of a company out this morning and his wife, and we worked with them, taught them some things about horses. They got to groom them, uh, learn, learn how to saddle them. We got them, gave them a riding lesson. They, they were completely green, took them out on a little ride and, uh, and a beautiful ride you know, through the woods and down by the river. And then we came back and we, they helped us take some cattle out. 
on a little cattle drive. So uh, that was a very small group, but we've also done as many as, um, good grief, 300, 400 people uh, on our big groups, but can't take them all riding. But is this uh, a, is is this often like they can go there for a week, or they go there for a couple of days, or how does that work? Well, we 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 have uh, some cabins over here. We we do have lodging, so that's Teton Cabins. It sits at the foot of the Tetons, and uh, that's I think we can hold up to about uh, as many as seventy okay. people in those. But they would have to book quite a while, quite far in advance to to get a very big one there and we have a lodge there and then uh, we also do you know a corporate events uh, and by the way we do weddings here if anybody would like mm -hmm. to get married at the Diamond <laughs> Crossway it's out on our lawn in front of the Teton so we we have a we, we specialize in what we call the horse release when they the bride and groom kiss we turn the horses out and they gallop out and around circle around and and the people love it so oh that's beautiful uh, we just love to share the ranch and uh enjoy the people that come well i do hope that i can get there and i will look forward to doing some amazing fly fishing my guest today is horse whisperer and author grant colliher and the book is Think Like a Horse. I absolutely recommend it. If you're looking for some great gifts, um, it is just, it's wonderful. It's also a gift for your kids going off to college. It's, it's just, it's a good book. Grab it and enjoy it. And Grant, thank you again for being my guest. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a great weekend. Thank you.